Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которые очертила десница Твоя для поклонения святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим Святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную. Великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь. Можете садиться.
So if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths of the wisdom of God that has not yet been known by us or understood by us. Matthew 5, 45 and 48. 
that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. And relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we have been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant and established in the new tablets of the covenant, allowing God the ability to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the law, but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. In other words, his descendants, all who believe, because Abraham is the father of all who believe, Christians. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. We need to know that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God or our obedience to the preached word spoken by God's delegated persons, the person who demonstrates the fatherhood of God for us. Therefore, the promise of peace is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which God sends to us his word and this is by the mouth of again his delegated persons therefore the covenant of peace within the heart of a man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God to examine a person as to whether he is truly sent by God to present to us God's words it is necessary to be done in accordance to the delegation written in scripture For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet. It says here, if they are sent, someone, when it says it's when they're sent, it's sent, that's God sending and not a person sending or, a, or a, a person being uh, selected by the form of vote. And so how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God that is preached to us. By the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace demonstrated in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of a man as evidence of the fact that we are children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace present in the covenant of peace is actually the treasury of our hope in God, containing the complex of all of the promises of God. When accomplished, this is the goal of the given to us righteousness. Therefore, it is righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because the kind of thoughts a person has, so is he. If they're not in Jesus Christ, then a person will not be saved. His thoughts at all times uh, will be evil. And when he only when he places his mind 
into Jesus Christ, then his mind is renewed. To place your mind there, you need to deny your human intellect, stop relying upon your own abilities and, or, and idolize them, and admit that we can't uh, uh, comprehend the word of God with our own intellect if God will not reveal it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Here it's talking about the fact that the peace of God is greater than all of uh, all other minds, <clears throat> and that includes our own personal mind. We don't need to deceive ourselves that we have our own head, our own abilities, and for ourselves discern what is good and evil and understand the words. The peace of God that is able to guard our thoughts in Christ Jesus are thoughts that are renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death, which is why they do not obey the law of God and are not able to. And with all of the desire of a person to be in Christ Jesus, he cannot be. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. According to this statement, we conclude that people that have not allowed the truth of the preached word in the power of the Holy Spirit to renew their mind by the spirit of their mind have, not, have no connection to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no connection to the sons of peace either, that by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend this well, that it is only the collaboration of our spirit with our mind that are within Christ Jesus, that we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and dress or clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ here at, in, on earth, because this will be a condition to greet the Lord in the air or on the clouds. People who will not have the promise that as at the door of our hope, that again enthroning the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothing our body into the resurrection of Christ will not be raptured. And now to look at the righteousness of faith bringing about the inheritance of the peace of God and to understand the conditions outlining the way our righteousness needs to garment itself into the armor of this peace so that our mind would be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, we have come to the necessity to look at four classical questions. What are the qualities of the peace of God in Scripture called to guard our minds in Christ Jesus? What power does the peace of God have within the relationship of God with man, man with other men, and man with all the world? What conditions do we fulfill to be clothed into the peace of God called to guard our minds in God? And by what signs are we able to determine, examining ourselves, that we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God? because it is by the reign of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to determine and examine ourselves that we are the sons of God as it is written blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God Matthew 5 9 
We've noted that if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, or for his corrupt desires, then his justification which he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee will never convert into righteousness by which he would be able to receive and be clothed into the promise of the peace of God, so that he in righteousness would be able to bear fruits of peace. The misfortune of many Christians is that they've been offered salvation not in the format of a guarantee. They tell them that you are already saved and that's enough. But it's written we are saved in hope. Here it is written that we need to save our souls. We have the promise to save our body. If we are saved, that means delivered and freed from sin and death. If we are aging, if we're sick, what is this saying? That our body is not yet adopted, not yet redeemed, although it has a promise to be redeemed. And so a guarantee is given if you will uh, focus your goals to these things, but people are their goal is that their body be with uh, not be uh, healthy and not sick and that they be materialistically prosperous or the other way that they put on monk garments and live somewhere deep in the forest or away from people in poverty <clears throat> the promise that belongs to the door of our hope when God created the the human body, when he created the body of Adam, he created it as his own house so that he can live in that house. He did not live <clears throat> in the first Adam for the reason that he was a man of the flesh. But no, not looking at the fact that he was a man of the flesh, his, <clears throat> his mortal body was immor immortal and was not aging. Not a single uh, weapon could harm him. The only thing that it could harm, Adam, is sin, personal sin, the choice to sin. And so when we come to this kind of place where finally the Lord will deliver us from the law of sin and death, from the sinful man, from the carrier of the sinful program that we've received from Adam, uh, because of the sin that Adam did, so that we, we could receive the second program from the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And so furthermore, if a person will not die for his nation, for the house of his father and his corrupt desires or his will, that especially uh, generally is clothed into religious garments, the promise of peace will be taken from them, giving them the right to be called sons of God. As it is written, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11 We need to remember that the promise of peace receives its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith in the covenant of peace, which places responsibility upon both parties or both sides of the covenant, where each of the sides of the covenant is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God according to the requirements of the existing covenant. And if one of these sides 
breaks or violates the agreement that was made in the covenant of peace between God and man to note that such a violator can only be a man because God is faithful to his covenant that the other side being God is released then or freed from the responsibility of fulfilling the agreement of the covenant of peace. Therefore, the fruit of righteousness identified as the peace of God within our heart is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace. This serves as grounds or a basis for God so that He fulfill His side of the covenant of peace, which consists in leading us into the inheritance of His Son so that, so that we would be able to share with Him the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in the laws, prophets, and the Psalms. Because the justification that we received by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has converted into righteousness with which we became able to bear the fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with those around us. As it is written, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12:14. We've noted that in this place of scripture, we are talking about a form of unique and supernatural peace that is able to function only within the boundaries of holiness or be an expression or demonstration of holiness. These outlined and identified boundaries of holiness are the commandments of God. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12, 18. From this place of scripture, we can see that you cannot have peace with all men. Therefore, the peace that we dare to demonstrate out of the boundaries of holiness because of our of, of our own intellect and not as an expression of holiness will be incriminated to us as a serious form of lawlessness for which we will be required to pay a price of eternal life because our communication with people that the scriptures identify as evil company will corrupt our good habits and will transform us into their wicked image. And so evil company are people that have the look of godliness but have denied its power. People who have abandoned their church, received the truth but then rejected that truth. Their own churches and created, they, they then created their own churches, formed them, and they're called synagogues of Satan in Scripture. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 33-34, there's a statistic that today 95% of churches and gatherings uh, exist because of, of some, some form of division. If you can imagine all of these churches that were formed because of some sort of division are marching to hell not looking at the fact that they uh, evangelize, preach, uh, finish courses, receive all kinds of doctorate uh, degrees and so forth. They are very arrogant and think that they're saved. And those that are the remnant, the small flock, are very few and they're not paid attention to. They're not even looked at. They've buried them a long time ago and put the stone and have put a guard in front but soon this stone will be removed and these people will come out in these earthly bodies with the resurrection of Christ that will reign in their bodies and will clothe their bodies and the guards will become afraid and these organizations will become afraid. The scriptures say then they will come and fall at your feet 
and will say, Truly the Lord is with you. We've known by this that the Lord is with you. It is impossible and criminal to have peace with the unclean and the lawless who support the unclean, that in their time accepted the truth but afterwards left their church and turned away from the holy commands that were given to them. The very fact of their rebelliousness and resistance of the words from God's delegation that are placed over them testify of the loss of peace in their heart and member them to the category of the wicked. If they would have peace in their heart, they would not have confronted the people that are placed as leaders of the service and would not have created their own services and would not have been uh, casting mud at the one that is placed by God. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no place as my God for the wicked, Isaiah 57, 20 through 21. And this is not the only place of Scripture. In the previous services, we in a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, have already looked at the first three questions and stopped to study the fourth question. By what signs are we able to examine ourselves that we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God, called to share the inheritance of Christ contained in the laws, prophets, and psalms? We've noted that the limits and boundaries of holiness within which peacemakers similar to their Heavenly Father perform peace within the time and boundaries that are given to them by God are the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord in the format of the elementary principles of Christ. The tool by which the sons of peace perform peace within the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord is the righteousness of their faith. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. The seventh sign is the ability to clothe your essence into the holy and selective love of God. Colossians 3, 14, 15, But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. We've noted that according to this place of Scripture, the rule of the peace of God in our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and if we will be clothed into this selective love. By itself, the selective love of God is an uncomprehendable for the human mind goodness of God or kindness that is inherent to God. Since in the selective love of God, which is the goodness of God, we see the concealed, good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehendable for the human mind, goals and works of God, called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and exclusively between God and His children. Defining the selective love of God that is demonstrated in Christ Jesus, which surpasses our understanding or is out of the boundaries of being understood by the abilities of the mind, Apostle Paul says that to comprehend the love of God is called to fulfill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God, so that we would be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Ephesians 3.16-19 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints, this is talking about the love of God agape, with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be be able to be filled with all of the fullness of God. The, po- the book of Ephesians 3.16-19 through 19. The phrase that you may, may be rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints indicates the necessity to find the narrow gate in the form of a good wife. To be able to comprehend or apprehend something, you need to be uh, use means or your time. And so uh, this is the narrow gate and... In scripture, this narrow gate is is identified as the good wife, symbolizing all of the saints that are included in the category of God's chosen flock. In In the midst of the jungles of religious churches, to find or discover this good wife, the chosen by God flock who has find, found a wife, a good wife, found a good thing, and obtained favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18.22. Again, I repeat that this in no way refers to our uh, uh, marital partner, uh, our wives or our husbands. <clears throat> because our wives cannot be for us grace or Christ. Grace is only in Christ Jesus, and Christ is the head of the church. He is the head of that church that he has put, that he has built, and that has his order. To find a good thing and to obtain favor from the Lord is to discover the treasure of the kingdom of heaven upon your field. <clears throat> Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, Matthew thirteen forty four. When you find this good wife, then there you will find the promise that belongs to the door of hope. Upon your field that <clears throat> is yours but does not belong to you, and you will need to buy that field because for it there is a promise. According to this parable, we conclude that if a person does not discover the hidden in the field treasure of the kingdom of heaven by searching for it, he will not be able to utilize the grace of God in the form of a good wife to bring about his salvation. The symbol of the field upon which the treasure of the kingdom of heaven is hidden, we see a symbol of our body that is under the power of the law of sin and death, but for whom, at the door of hope, the promise that is called to deliver him from the law of sin and death belongs. Upon the condition, however, that we sell all that we have in the form of our nation, the house of our Father, and our fleshly life for this field in the form of our body to whom the promise of the kingdom of heaven that is called to deliver our earthly body from the law of sin and death belongs. Therefore, finding a good wife is making a matrimonial contract or a marital union with a specific church of saints that that satisfy the condition of the chosen by God flock. According to scripture, the selective love of God is a true virtue that a virtuous wife demonstrates is kindness or goodness grown from knowing God by listening to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven inside of a man. 
and such virtue that is grown by God within the heart of a man from the seed of the preached word of God about the kingdom of heaven is identified in scripture as wisdom that comes from above, moral perfection, the bond of perfection, <clears throat> splendor and greatness, beauty, magnificence and glory. However, to have more practical specification when it comes to the selective love of God, we decided to look at the character and quality contained in the selective love of God as the true virtue presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the spoken words of the Apostles and the Prophets. 2 Peter 1-2-8 Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us, and so grace and peace can be multiplied by knowing God and Jesus Christ, by knowing, uh, having this knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. And so when we receive this knowledge in the form of a seed, we become a part of God's divine uh, nature, God's power. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Here we're talking about the qualities of the fruits of, of the tree of life, the, the, the elements of it. Uh, add to your faith virtue, uh, virtue to virtue, uh, virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In essence, true virtue demonstrated in the qualities and characteristics of the selective love of God is none other than the royal crown of the righteousness of God standing guard of his burning holiness. Therefore, the virtue that we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the selective love of God is a holy love that comes from the goodness of God. This element is identified as the great mystery of God and is concealed in the work of his redemption. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 Because of this, we began to study the selective love of God in the context and format of the seven qualities of unearthly vir virtue which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and clothe our earthly body into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person. And for this purpose, it was necessary for us to first differentiate the selective love of God from the tolerant love of man. As the quality of the selective love of God does not compare in any way with what man calls love. Because the virtue of the selective love of God are eternally existing virtues and characteristics of God himself, as well as his all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God, because God is love. And such an uncomprehendable for the mind unearthly love coming from a similar goodness of God is defined in Scripture as the bond of perfection. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Colossians 
the bond of perfection of the selective love of God within the seven given qualities of virtue are unconditional. Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God is different in that it contains the burning jealousy of God, all his knowledge and, and his absolute wisdom, and in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical purposes or goals. At the same time, the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes because it is blind. And the world even has its sayings about love. Love is blind, you'll even love a goat. And then they begin to call their husbands goats. Then who are you if you chose a goat? When you find a good wife, then you will understand the essence of God's love. Here is what the scriptures say regarding the strength of the love of God. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire and a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. Songs of Solomon 8, 6, 7. The unconditional nature of the selective love of God can be received and given exclusively by knowing the truth and receiving the Holy Spirit upon the basis of absolute and reasonable willingness of the man. And to better understand the way we are called to demonstrate the work of virtue in our faith, the work of virtue demonstrated in the love of God, we needed to remember, first, the genesis and essence of the selective love of God, second, the purpose of unearthly love within our faith, third, the price of obtaining the unearthly love of God agape, and fourth, the sign as evidence of the selective love of God in your faith. Studying the first question, what virtues do the scriptures give regarding the wellspring from where the love of God flows, we came to the conclusion that first, the genesis of the love of God, the love of God is poured out and flows from the virtue of the Heavenly Father Himself and is demonstrated in His goodness. This very sufficiently and vividly follows the studied by us text, demonstrated in your faith such in your faith such a love that flows from the virtue of God, Second Peter one three through seven. The love of God flows from the individual Christ in the form of his substituting sacrifice for his church. The love of God is poured into our heart in the form of the Holy Spirit that promotes the atmosphere of the love of God. The love of God is poured into our heart by hearing the word of God that is sent to us by God, by the people whom he has given us. The love of God is poured into our heart by observing the created by him world. The love of God is poured into our heart by the church, or more accurately, by communicating with the saints. And the love of God is poured into our heart by the good soil of our heart. And that's why it says, uh, above all, keep your heart uh, or protect your heart. Studying the question, what is the essence of the love of God that comes from the goodness of God, we came to the conclusion that the essence of love that flows from the goodness of God, the measure of this love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who 
uh, toward evil and men who do this evil. Because only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we demonstrate God's reaction to good and evil. Therefore, answering the question what and who God hates, we've determined that the love of God that flows from the virtue of God in nature loves to show uh, show mercy to a repenting sinner, loves the fatherless widow and stranger, loves his nation, loves the righteous, loves the gates of Zion, loves righteousness and justice, and loves a cheerful giver. Looking at who and what God hates, we've concluded that in accordance to Scripture, the love of God that flows from the virtue of God in nature first hates those who hate the Lord, hates those who do evil deeds or works, hates robbery for sacrifice, hates evil evil thoughts against your neighbor (coughs) and false oaths, hates when the feasts of the Lord are used for uh, satisfying the flesh, hates the works of the Nicolaitans, and seventh, hates the, wor- uh, hates the worship of foreign gods. We studied these in the previous services, some, <clears throat> some of them, and we will turn to the fifth. Fifth, the selective love of God that flow- flows from the virtue of God, the atmosphere in which the peace of God reigns. <clears throat> in nature, hates when the Lord's feasts are lowered to the level of human feasts or human celebrations. I hate, I despise your feasts, days, and I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Amos 5.21 The love of God consisting in the feasts of the Lord contained the great work of redemption that God has done. And these feasts of the Lord were for the purpose of helping man produce the fruit of holiness, by the means of which man was called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in his earthly body and clothe his earthly body into the resurrection of Christ. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 22-23 Very often it is read, uh, read that there is a gift of God. God gives the gift when you are delivered from sin. If you pay attention, all a lot of people separate this from other places of Scripture. They read only the 23rd verse without reading the 22nd verse. But now having been set free from sin, but they tell uh, people that are sinners for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, receive eternal life freely, and so they do and then continue to live as Satan but are confident that they are being saved. This is a deception. As uh, John the Baptist said, brood of vipers who warned you to flee the coming wrath produce fruit worthy of repentance and become servants of God. And only then the gift of God that is eternal life in Christ Jesus will be yours. When we do according to false apostles and false teachers, then the grace of God that consists in His feast is exploited for the flesh. We bring down the feasts of the Lord to the level of religious feasts and customs that have nothing to do with the feasts of the Lord. The feasts of the Lord were were uh, to carry peace for God and contain the power of the redeeming grace of God 
focused on delivering our body by the law of the spirit of life from the law of sin and death or enthroning the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothing our body into the resurrection of Christ. Sixth, the selective love of God that flows from the virtue of God, <clears throat> the atmosphere in which the peace of God reigns in its nature hates the work of the Nicolaitans. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Revelations 2 6. A person by the name of Nic Nicholas, from whom Nicolaitans came, who follow his teaching, is one of the modern apostles of Christ that came out from the midst of the apostles and brought forth a heretic teaching that includes tolerance and patience for the culture of the world, as well as all sorts of religious teachings of that time. He did not deny Christ as the Son of God, but he did not deny serving other gods either, saying that each of these gods also were one of the many ways to the Father God. In this way, he practically demonstrated a completely different Christ that the scriptures call Antichrist. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Revelations 2.15 When one somewhat famous in the Christian world, respected worker of Christ, says that philosophy of Buddha and the teaching of Christ are two parallel paths that lead to God, and another man who is even more popular brings forth comparisons between the teaching of Islam and the teaching of Christ, then he is imitating the teaching of the Nicolaitans and imitating Antichrist. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 1 John 2.15 Seventh, the selective love of God that flows from the virtue of God, the atmosphere in which the peace of God reigns, in its nature hates the worship of foreign gods. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jeremiah 44, 2-4. <clears throat> Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and on all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are a desolation, and no one dwells in them, because of their wickedness which they have committed to provoke me to anger. When you go to Israel, you'll see that Israel, uh, only a part uh, belongs to Israel and they live uh, with Arabs that have also filled their lands and so he says see these empty cities and he says why this happens because of their wickedness which they have committed to provoke me to anger and that they went to burnt incense and serve other gods whom they did not know nor they nor they nor their own fathers. However, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. The most famous idols in modern Christianity are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, blessings, and anointing. You think in what way a person comes to idol worshiping? This happens when the accent or <clears throat> focus is not upon a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you begin to love not the husband, but the money that the husband has. Dear, you don't love me, you love the money that I have. 
Поэтому, когда мы обращаем наше внимание и акцент не на pay attention to his <coughs> seeking the blesser but the blessings that we can receive from the one who blesses <coughs> not building a relationship with the anointer and understanding the meaning of anointing but rather the power of anointing that we can use for our popularity and our public image after these come the idols by the name of prophetic service good works evangelism and rebuking of demons You may say, how can this be? We read the words of Christ, Matthew 7, 22-23. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? You see, if this was a prophecy that was true, truth and not idol worshiping, because when prophecy is placed above the written word and is not in accordance to the letter of the word, then... They seek, they seek the, this prophecy more than they seek the word of God. <coughs> Prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. As you can see, these things can become idols if you incorrectly understand them and incorrectly use them. <coughs> This is following then by honoring cultural traditions and commitments of time to these traditions as we, uh, as we then use as a means of focus or focus of our service. This is Father's Day, Mother's Day, Day of the Dead, Valentine's Day, Halloween, and the Day of Harvest and others as well. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord, Psalm 31.6. The next idol is the idol of materialistic success as a sign of freedom from the spirit of poverty. Here's what Jesus said about this, Luke 16.13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And now we will pay attention to the demonstration and essence of the love of God in the format of the virtue of the knowledge of Christ, how it demonstrates itself in knowledge, because it is not tolerant, it is knowledgeable, it is discerning. The selective love of God that flows from the goodness of God by nature truly is knowledgeable, is reasonable, and has wisdom that comes from above, which directs us to the fact that unlike the tolerant love of man, that in nature is blind as it is based and led not by the wisdom of God but by feelings. <coughs> Unlike the tolerant love of man that in nature is led by feelings, the selective love of God by the means of the intelligence and knowledge it has rules over emotions. That, that one is led by emotions, this one rules over emotions. And so the selective love of God is led by reason and leads the feelings that commanding them who and how they are to love and who they need to hate. And so to demonstrate in your faith the love of God, we need to collaborate with God and utilize the mind of Christ that contains this, <coughs> that contains this intelligence. The Greek word, Uh, is the mind or the ability to 
discern. This is talking about spiritual things, not just knowledge or the ability to discern or to, <clears throat> but the mind of Christ that is able to penetrate the depths of God, the entrails of God, to be able to know what the Father has, what's upon His heart, what thoughts He has. The intelligence or the knowledge that is the mind of Christ. The love that a person demonstrates from his mind instead of demonstrating the mind of Christ has nothing to do to the selective love of God that flows from the goodness of God. In Scripture, the <clears throat> knowledge of God in the goodness of God is, is shown in seven, uh, in seven things. This is the knowledge of Christ in us. This is the reasoning of Christ in us. This is the discernment of Christ within us. This is the understanding or intelligence of Christ in us. This is the apprehension of Christ in us. This is the judgment of Christ in us. All these terms are in Scripture. According to these characteristics, we conclude that the essence of the love of Christ by the means of its wisdom in us is first, the intelligent love of Christ in us is called to give us understanding about what is good and what is bad, or what God sees as good and what he sees as evil. Job 34, 1-4 Elihu further answered and said, Hear my words, you wise men, give ear to me, you who have knowledge. For the ear tests words as a pellet tastes food. Let us choose justice for ourselves. Let us know among ourselves what is good. Eliu practically called his listeners and Job himself. He called them so that they open the ear of their heart and incline it. Because this ear, you don't incline to hear, but the heart. You can direct the ear, but you can't to hear a person that tells you you need to hear specifically go to the ground you need to bow down and listen with the ear this is he says give ear to me he talks to the people who are able to discern or able to have the, or who have this knowledge and so then he says for the ear tests words as the palate tastes food let us choose justice for ourselves and so the knowledge of the love of God in us is placed in dependence or comes from listening to the word of God that is, is that is inspired by the Holy Spirit because the word of God that is spoken out of the power of the Holy Spirit is just letter that kills as the body without the spirit is dead so is the spoken word of God without the power of the Holy Spirit is also dead. The mind of Christ that contains that is contained in the word of God that is received by us in the power of the Holy Spirit without which we will not be able to fulfill this word of God is contained in scripture. And so when we do not violate the implemented laws of God in scripture, we show then in our faith this love of God Deuteronomy 4, 5, 6 surely I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me what did he do he brought them out of Egypt brought them to the Lord upon the mountain the nation of Israel and then received the law he established the covenant he 
he uh, confirmed then this uh, these these conditions and the nation uh, confirmed that and then he began to teach further he could not have given these laws to them in Egypt yes Moses was in Egypt but he was not able to give the law to them there the only thing he could do there is to lead them out by the way of the slain lamb by the way of redemption but here it says I have taught you Surely I've taught you statutes and judgments that just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which I go to, we go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear all these statutes and say surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. When this earth will be our body as a symbol of our, symbol of our body when we enter this land to take control of our body by our mouth, our mouth is the throne of the of God and the Lamb because the word that comes out of our mouth, it becomes equal to the power of the words that come out of the mouth of God when this is the word of faith, when this word is in accordance to the word of God. People that are not able to to confess the word of God. The scriptures say that they can't even be a part of the nation of God. We'll talk about that further. It is by the means of the intelligent love of God that is flowed into our uh, uh, that is poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit we are able to come in contact and know the mind of our Heavenly Father for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ first Corinth first Corinthians 2 16 if we if we've cast off the old man with his deeds and have been re- renewed by the spirit of our mind then we have the mind of Christ knowing the mind of Christ that gives us the ability to understand what is good and evil happens by prayer communication with God when we incline our ear to listen to his word. We talked about this in the previous service, talking about prayer service. And so if you remember Noah's Ark, he had no, no light except that small little window in the roof. And he had to go out of it, out of the, uh, look out into that window. And so God closed the door after him and if God closes it's written no one will open he pretty much encapsulated him in the salvation and so now in order to communicate with God and come out and receive the law of the spirit of life it's written that Job oh, Noah that Noah had opened up the, the roof area and he brought out all the animals if you can imagine how it's possible but he did this because Noah did not lead out the animals through the door if you can imagine to uh, get it, an elephant there were three levels and on the lower level were the largest animals and he came out and uh, brought all out uh, through this way. Sometimes people have fantasies about, if you can imagine, 
when Noah did this, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit and God did the work because all that were in the ark were saved and Noah came out. He did not need to <coughs> lift because the angels of God, this was God's creation that remained. Each animal brought each one out through this window because all of these animals were a part of Noah himself. All of these uh, animals are characteristics, emotions, are will, these are symbols, symbolic. And so God led them out of there. However, a person may fantasize, but I clearly know that he did not have the physical power to bring these animals out in, through this window because God did this with his power. Sometimes they show these pictures uh, that there's an open door and the animals come out and Noah is standing and lead, leading them out. This is a fantasy of a person and their imagination. <coughs> Knowing the mind of Christ gives us the ability to understand what is good and evil and it happens by prayer uh, communication with God when we, <coughs> we uh, connect and listen to the word of God. The word or the verb to uh, connect to is already known to us that we, this is the process of sanctification and studying uh, the concepts and the words written in the word in the, in the in the Bible. <clears throat> Therefore, the main enemy of the love of God in the form of that is in the form of knowledge is the inability of our heart to listen to the word of God. If you remember that a man came to Jesus, Jesus said, came to Jesus and said, uh, Lord, let me follow you. And he said, uh, foxes have holes and and uh, so he was not able to uh, fit Christ in because he had because he had other prophets that he listened to he couldn't follow Christ Ecclesiastes 5.1 walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil therefore take heed how you hear for whoever has to him more will be given and whoever does not have even that which he seems to have will be taken from him Luke 8.18 second the intelligent love of Christ in us is determined by the ability to connect us to the life of God. Ephesians 4, 6, 4, 17, 18. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And so the human uh, mind separated from the life of God as, as it is in the bondage or in servitude to the uncircumcised uh, desires of a person or will of a person is part of the flesh and because of our ignorance of our heart uh, is often actually called love which isn't truly love
Genesis 1:14 through 18. Then God said, Let there be a light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the, from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens, to give light on the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. And so the main enemy of the selective love of God, that is his knowledge within us, is our feeling, a uh, love of feelings that rules over our uh, blinded mind or our informational organ. Third, the, intel the intelligent love of Christ in us is called to, to be demonstrated in the fear of the Lord. This requires not setting your heart as the heart of God. Ezekiel 28, 6-8 Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, they shall throw you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas. Every time when we uh, revealing our faith or, and uh, are doing this in the love of God, but are attempting to do this with the ability of our human mind, we are demonstrating the love of man, but are labeling it as the love of God. Therefore, when with the abilities of our own mind attempt to demonstrate in our faith the love of God, we in essence are pretty much signing the given law of God with our own name and placing our mind then equal to God's. This happens when we listen to the word of God that we, are, we like and is attractive to us. We, for some reason, demonstrate our agreeance here in this country with the English word yes. I paid attention in all the charismatic services even in Russia and Ukraine. The charismats, they don't say yes when they like something or yes in, in say, say in Russian but they say yes in English. And instead of amen, they don't say amen like in the Russian way because they're in Russia, but they actually use the English accented because they think it's somehow more... Uh, this false charismatic uh, teaching came from here, so I guess it would make sense that they're doing this, but, but it's defiled the, uh, the people, and if they would have been knowledgeable, they would have separated from such a, such a form of service because this absurd seems for them as a demonstration of holiness but the scripture identifies such a work, such demonstration as e uh, putting your heart equal to God's our mind uh, equal to God's According to Scripture, the principles and commandments of God that come from the selective love of God are called and need to be specifically be signed by uh, praise and the name of God. Amen. This is one of the names of God that means faith, the faithfulness and truthfulness of God and not our name uh, or, or with our own 
Deuteronomy 27, 9 through 14. Then Moses and priests and the Levites spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe this commandments. Take heed, this day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Let's look at what day this is. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe your, his commandments and his statutes which I command you today. And Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, those shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you shall cross over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. <clears throat> and the Levite shall speak with a loud voice and say to all, the men of Israel, cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and set it up in secret, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Today, when they have these encounters that have replaced sanctification, that is the, and so sanctification is a natural process of a person th uh, throughout his lifetime and so until he leaves this life he needs to sanctify himself the righteous may he be righteous still may the holy be holy still but so they began to do this in three days they convinced the people they're sanctified and some have come to uh, the to sign writing their sins down and creating altars for sacrifices and then they burn these sins on the list there's a cross their nails and they then nail these papers to the cross and then these sins are burned and this cross and these nails they by uh, uh, casting a lot they uh, pass them out and this cross and nails they become as something holy as a religion and they say it gives them blessing and with these they can perform great miracles tell me what is diff uh, what is that how is that different from idols as 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 formed carved images we see that these things are already cursed there's a confirmation of the law of god that was given in that day Cursed is the one who treats his father, father and mother with contempt, and all the people shall say, Amen. When the children don't obey their parents, when they think that they're smarter than they are, when they do not accept their authority, and it is written that these children will carry curses they're already cursed they already have a curse but they think they're blessed because their parents don't understand them I understand that religious parents forbid uh, things that are not sin and allow things that are sin because they're ignorant but here we're not talking about that re uh, religious we need to obey our parents only within the boundaries of scripture we need to obey our husbands only within the boundaries of Scripture. We need to obey the pastor of the church only within the boundaries of Scripture. When the pastor begins to uh, give some kind of commands freely and threaten the people that there'll be this and this and this, we need to understand those differences. Next. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say Amen. We know that moving the neighbor's landmark is when we demand uh, obedience from people out of the boundaries of Scripture. 
Cursed is the one who makes the blind to wander off the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. We know that the blind are infants, spiritual infants. They're easily uh, swayed away. They're easily convinced. And these people will carry a curse upon them that that attract those kind to themselves. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due to the stranger, the fatherless, and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen, because this is a category of people that can't defend themselves. Because the children of God that are in the form of a fatherless widow and stranger are not able to defend themselves. We can defend each other, but we can't defend ourselves. I want us to understand the difference. You can defend your husband, I mean, your sister or your brother, uh, if they're unjustly being treated. You can uh, defend them, but you can't defend yourself if you're unjustly being treated. This is the quality of these groups. And so those who are placed to judge when a person is not given lawful rights in the church because the overgrown sheep are the ones who do not have the qualities of the stranger, fatherless, and widow, they will be uh, pushing the other sheep around and they and God said, I will judge between the fattened sheep and the one that is lean. Next, cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed and all the people shall say, Amen. Here it means a person cannot marry a, a woman that was a wife of the father, of this person's father. If the father if the father passed away then you can marry this woman she's no longer a wife of your father because death has end, uh, ended this we see in Corinthians Paul says that someone had a wife that was a wife of another of the fi- wife of the father but he took this woman from his father and married her and Paul says and you became prideful that you did this and I tell you to disqualify such a person and they did and then this person repented and they he released this woman but the church continued to keep him disqualified after repenting and after fixing his ways and Apostle Paul had to tell them again that if he left his sins you need to receive him back cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal and all the people shall say amen cursed is the one who lies with his sister the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother and all the people shall say amen when it comes to it's not this doesn't uh, refer to cousins because according to scripture it's not this relative that it's talking about here but specifically your direct sisters or brothers you are not to marry or if she's a daughter of your of, of your father or your mother you are not to marry Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. 
Cursed is the one who attacks his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say amen. If there's hatred and jealousy of a person in your heart, and it's a secret thing in your heart, and you kill because one who hates his brother is a, is a murderer. Cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen, when we support false testimony against our neighbor. Although we know that this is not true, but we still uh, back it up. Pastors even that have said, we absolutely agree with you, we're on your side, we know that you're a person from the Lord. But you need to know that when there's going to be a majority of us and they're going to be against you, I'll be against you. But in my heart, I'm going to be for you. It says, so this is what it's talking about here, that he will not defend uh, you or defend the truth. He sheds your blood together with the rest. These kinds of people are already under curse. Cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Deuteronomy 27, 9-26. And so, according to this process and work, God, without his chosen nation, or by his chosen nation, had confirmed this given law. There was one law, but we know that the very same law in every nation, it curses uh, or it punishes the one and it uh, defends or covers the other. And in this way, he forever made the law of blessing and curse uh, uh, legal and rightful. Considering that our time is up, we are going to bend our knees, however, who is comfortable, our heads in prayer and all those who desire to confront their sins, their fears, their sicknesses, fear that we will not make it, to confirm what we've heard in our life. If the Lord has allowed you to hear, He in this way is saying that you can make it. If you right now will receive it and obey it, that word that you hear. Everyone who desires to be delivered from bitterness, from the old person or old man that continues to promote this jealousy and hatred toward your neighbor, you can come out here and conf- uh, con- and uh, confess your sins and so you can be free from this pain and jealousy, whatever's in your heart. May the Lord bless you. We wait for you here at the altar. I'm going to be praying together with you and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is on your side. He's not against you. He can right now cleanse you by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. You need to believe in the information that you hear, not what you feel. He can heal you and He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you from shame, sin, Close your eyes as your secret room. Lift your hands to God, a sign that you're ready to receive from God what He desires to give you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with my shame, with my sin, 
with my fear, with my dependence, I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal me, protect me, remove the shame. I open up my heart and I receive your words that are powerful and able to enthrone Christ in my body. May Jesus be enthroned in my body and may his resurrection clothe my body. I receive all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May you be blessed. May the Lord look on you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all of these blessings be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. And now all of us together, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. They waited here at the front until we began to proclaim. When you're here, don't leave until we the, the blessings are proclaimed for you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.